and welcome to our sixth pod of this series, powered once again by the lovely people at Netball UK. They're keeping you all netballing right now, so head over to netballuk.co.uk and have a nosy. Now, lockdown is normal life, and so is presenting the show from my living room, my bedroom, or wherever else I can find in the house, away from my dad and brother, uh, and virtually meeting up with Sarah and Max. Uh, but thanks to technology, we've been able to bring you the last couple of shows from three separate places, and today is no different. So, guys, before we crack on, where are you both? What's your view? What's going on there? Oh, well, hi, guys. I am at home, sat on my living room floor, looking out the window. Beautiful blue sky, sunshine and cherry blossom. Very nice. That sounds like a very nice view. What about you, Sarah? I am at home, um, looking out across the road to my neighbours and then the, the sheep in the field. They've just been having lambs, so that's quite cute. Oh, <gasps> that sounds idyllic. I'm, I'm very jealous because the only view I've got is my neighbours that keep looking in through my window and haven't realised that I can see them when they're half hiding behind a curtain. So it sounds like both of you have got a better deal than me there. This is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK. Your one-stop shop for everything netball. Right, we have got an absolute cracker for you today. We're going to be discussing Commonwealth Games final. Unless you've had amnesia for the past two years, you'll know that England finally won a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in 2018. The 15th of April marks the two-year anniversary, so we thought now's a good time to discuss what that monumental win has done for the sport in England. Uh, next, we're going to be talking about what to do first when we are free. Uh, we'll be chatting about what things we and you are missing the most and plan to do first when we are back to normality and lockdown restrictions are lifted. But first, we've got one of the best commentators in the sport, Melbourne Rays, and someone who knows everything there is to know about netball. Her voice is instantly recognisable, her calling is infectious, and she's coached and played our favourite game. There is no better way to start the show than by welcoming back Sue Gordian. I think that needs Woo-hoo! to be Yes! Woo-hoo! Yes, girl. <laughs> yes. I like that. A big happy COVID hello. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, uh, Sue, uh, you're an Australian netball commentator and former player and coach and basically all-round netball legend. So we are honoured that you've joined us here from Down Under. Thank you very much. Um, How are you, first and foremost, Sue? Yeah, no, not too bad. I must admit, I'm one of the people that sit in that category where you kind of go, I'm a bit of a homebody beyond the public face. So I'm kind of happy kicking back at home. But at the same time, I'd also been the person probably going into the back end of last year that said, oh, gee, I need a break. <laughs> but I didn't, mean, I didn't mean COVID. No, you've got to be careful what you wish for, haven't you, really? Um, how oh. are you keeping yourself busy? What What are you doing with, with the break? Well, my break was kind of enforced a little early. So uh, we were in the midst of uh, setting up training with West Coast Fever as it was heading into the the 2020 season and we had a four-day player break and I had looked ahead at what my year was going to be like, which was chaotic. And so I took an additional three days uh, away from the club and I went to Bali. And landed in Bali Bali and literally had to hop on a plane and come straight back and got (sighs) immediately into into isolation, into quarantine because I'd been overseas. So... Um, I haven't left the house since, oh, I don't know, early, uh, mid-March, I think it was. Um, so everything just went into shutdown. I, you know, all my work has come to a complete stop. 
uh, both with West Coast Fever, obviously with commentary until let's pray that the league gets back up and all my other MC jobs pretty quiet. So I, I'm, I've painted my house. I've done my garden. I've, um, I don't know, I'm just, it's just crazy. It is really crazy. I mean, look, I'm being active, but I said to a friend today, I've, I'm getting close to saying I've had enough. Gordy, I, I was I was going to ask because, you know, you, you, like a, you like a trip to Bali where you're not just tempted mm. to stay. <laughs> Do you know what? And I have friends, Sars, that live over there, and um, they even said to me, get out. <laughs> so, oh, really? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I think, and quite sadly now as we look at, you know, what's happening around the world, I'm not convinced that uh, a lot of Australians will be returning to Bali in the very short term, even once yeah. our, our borders eventually open. Unfortunately, Indonesia's uh, reporting doesn't look too good, and yeah, I, I, and really sadly, I will be one of those Aussies that will be giving it a miss for a little while to come. Understandably so as well. We are going to talk about um, what you are famous for shortly, um, but what is the feeling like in Australia at the moment? I know obviously you've been in your own four walls, but what is the general feeling like on the news over there and with your neighbours and stuff? Yeah, had we've had this phone call about a week ago. I'd say everyone was, you know, we were all worried and. Uh, but I have to be honest with you, we, we, have, uh, we haven't hit what everyone deems to be the peak yet over here. So um, we've had border shutdowns very quickly, which has been a real blessing by our government. Uh, I'm based in Perth, Western Australia. We've, only, we've not only shut down our borders in terms of entry to the state, but we've actually enforced regional borders. So we've been broken up into nine regional areas inside Western Australia, meaning to say that you literally can't go across borders, so within our own state. Um, we've had some really good uh, data coming out in the last few days and even now our, our Premier is starting to look a little bit more positive. So things are going well, but we are all uh, very much aware that we're sitting in this for at least another six to eight weeks before even the most uh, smallest of um, changes may begin to see us move back into some sort of normality. And uh, it's been well documented, Sue, that Super Netball uh, season was late to announce its postponement. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I, well, I, to be honest with you, I, I know exactly why that happened. I was sitting right in amongst a, a very um, tight uh, group of people. There was four of us, including the, the CEO of Netball Australia at the time and uh, the Player Association um, head, Kath Harbs, and with Channel 9 and myself. And we were talking very tightly around uh, the possibility of um, putting, going ahead with a competition but in, a, in a, uh, a very different style which would have been like a hub environment where we would move all teams into one spot. And that looked really positive. And around about two days after that discussion, uh, the, the country closed its state borders, which made that decision fall in a heap. So that's why netball held back for so long, because we are a sport that has the ability to back up our performances a lot quicker than in our country, something like the Australian Football League or, or rugby. So we were looking at ways in which we might have been able to get our teams into an environment, play a number of games in a short period of time, and then have them roll out as per the normal Suncorp Super Netball season. It was a really exciting concept and possibility, and it fell in a heap, sadly. Well, what do you think, with that in mind, then, it will happen with the Super Netball season, and what do you think should happen? Yeah, so, so at the moment with, with Suncorp Super Netball, the players have just finished their two weeks enforced annual leave. They're now taking a 70% pay cut, and that will be for the next three weeks, and then their circumstances will be revisited. There's some 
positive news surfacing around at the moment in terms of some of our government supplements that, you know, may be able to um, put some money back into the pockets of players, you know, obviously with them taking such a significant pay cut. Um, so that's the first thing. Number two, uh, the sport will... Uh, Reassure both at the end of April and at the end of May, um, and and obviously that gives us you know another month and a half to see things unfold, but be able to start forecasting possibly some decisions. There is a document that has been circulated at the moment around what the season may or may not look like. I have a uh, a really strong feeling that the sport wants to come forward with a date to say Suncorp Super Netball will begin here and that could be a June or July date and I think they feel they need to do that but they're very mindful in doing it that if the government says well unfortunately we can't open borders or something happens or we get a second wave of this virus and we have to shut things down well then the sport just has to respond accordingly but I think most of our key sports that are uh, our winter sports over here in our country that are shut down at the moment are probably all looking at exactly the same concept, and that is around about June onwards, whether we can possibly look at a green light. I think it's crucial to do that anyway, isn't it? Because you have to prepare. We we need a target to work towards anyway in whatever sport that is. But with you mentioned there, uh, Sue, about the significant pay cut, obviously players have agreed to take a 70% pay cut. How will netball survive this sort of financially? Oh, you know, who knows? It is, it's frightening, girls. It is really frightening. It's, and I don't think that's just here in Australia. It's frightening everywhere. Um, but I I really do believe, though, that, and, and you know what? I mean, who am I? I? I have no crystal ball. I can only forecast what Sue Gordian thinks. But one of the things I'm most proud about of our, of our sport is our history. And I think our history will hold us in really good stead. We are a big sport. We are a huge sport worldwide. Uh, one of the great, whilst I, I'm a great believer in the men playing the game, we have a dominance in history of our females supporting the sport. I think we will come out of the other side for it. I have seen no shortage of social media uh, information around how much people are missing playing the game. And so irrespective of people's circumstances, once all of this COVID starts to lift and we can get ourselves back into play. The one thing that people want to do where they can is get back together and be together. And because sport does something for the soul, I I honestly believe netball will survive in that respect. We're a big sport and will survive. My concern comes to the commercial arm of our sport, Suncorp Super Netball, your Super League, the ANZ Championships in New Zealand, where we are so heavily reliant on the commercial dollar. And that is why... Uh, you know, the big dogs, the, those that are paid to make the big decisions are really wanting to push to try and see us get a season back in in 2020 so that we can return something commercially to our partners. With the season, you know, there's the possibility of it going to like tournament style format. And I think that's something that's been talked about over here as well. Um, how mm. big is the concern around player welfare in that situation? You know, players coming off the back of a, a relatively big break into a tournament style competition yeah huge stars absolutely huge and 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 in all honesty prior to this phone call i've just come off another one talking that very thing so there's been there is a lot of discussion um around what is uh i guess um the 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 right time frame to say let's go and when you and then you say what are we going for are we going for a week in week out season or are we going for a 
shortened, modified season, which the body may need to prepare slightly differently. So at the end of the day, um, there are the possibility that if, for example, Suncorp Super Netball goes into a like a more modified, shorter season, that we may look at increasing um, the numbers of players that, that can form a team. So we're sitting in 10 contracts at the moment. Our training partners may get a leg up into that environment. That would allow some... I guess, relief in terms of, um, uh, you know, uh, player time, if that were the, to be the case. Also, we've imp- introduced rolling subs this year. We all, I believe that will be a really instrumental rule if we have to go into a short modified season. So there's a lot of concern around it. But I guess at the moment, each club within the realms of what they're entitled to do under the current, you know, player association agreements and, and the rulings from the government is just encouraging the players to stay as motivated as they possibly can because, like any sport, once the green light goes, we are all systems go. It is straight back into it. So whatever the individual can do to keep themselves to the absolute fitness peak that they possibly can and and with ball in hand, we just have to believe that athletes are doing that. And, And that's across the board. That's not just netball. That's all sports. So can I just throw a little bit of a, a curveball in here insofar as we're not sure whether all the borders for all the countries will be open at the same time if you do get the green light for uh, Suncorp to kick off again. So it then brings in that your internationals who have gone home may well be in countries where they've still got you know no flights out, um, you know that there's no way they can get back to Australia um, even though they're contracted. Is that maybe where we're going to see the training partners, like you were saying, they get a little bit more court time? Yeah, that is that is one of the real um, difficult points to deal with. And I know uh, straight off Adelaide Thunderbirds are one of the sides that are, are quite significantly affected by that predicament. Um, at the moment, if you have a look at, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, certainly Jindal Fowler, who's the West Coast Fever um, Jamaican import, has had three of the players come join her here in Western Australia from the Vixens and the Magpies. So they've got their own little house over here. And that was instead of them returning to Jamaica at the risk of not being able to come back if the season door opened. So those decisions were made by players and by clubs. And that's not to say they're right, wrong or indifferent, but everyone was forced to make their own decisions. So um, we have to pray that those borders or those restrictions may lift. I think it's highly unlikely, to be honest with you, and that will place some teams in a very tough predicament and that is where training partners' opportunities will come for sure. Something as well that will be across on Netball Nation as that unfolds with time. Um, but in amongst all of the madness, uh, Sue, we know that uh, Lisa Alexander is set to leave as Diamond's head coach. So in your opinion, who should take over from her and are you going to put your name in the hat? No. <laughs> no. And she's got many hats. Uh, Look, girls, um, a couple of people have rung and asked whether it might have been something I would consider, but no, not not for me. um, One thing I've learned is it's not that I uh, don't believe in my maybe capabilities as a head coach, but I have certainly learned to love the role I have at the moment at West Coast Fever in in somewhat of an assistant coach role. And and I've always said I feel like an assistant coach is so undervalued simply because we don't financially have that backing or support to really warrant their, I guess, their input or their success in a program. So I'm I'm loving my role at Fever and um, 
and it's not a it's not a door I'd close at an international level in some capacity. But the head coach for me is a no. Uh, I, I I still love to commentate, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Who do I think? Look, it, it's no secret from my perspective. I think Simone McInnes, the Melbourne Vixens coach, uh, is probably, in my opinion. Um, the most obvious candidate and possibly the person I think that could step in and do the best job, <clears throat> pardon me, the best job. Um, and I, I think that um, what Lisa has done for the Australian Diamonds, there is a part of what Lisa has brought to the Australian Diamonds that is just extraordinary and that is just the real welfare around the program and and that will never be stepped back from. The, the way she has managed the athletes' program off court in particular has been exceptional um, and that's something that Simone will need to if she gets the job step in and continue to manage and I always think when you look at any coach that takes over they don't leave a legacy across the board it's, it's simply impossible they fall short in some areas but Lisa certainly has stepped on and left a legacy in my opinion particularly in that off court I think Simone can come and bring a step up in the on-court performance. That's where I think she'll um, be our best, uh, my, in my opinion, the best candidate going forward. Sue, if, if Simone goes for that job and, and gets that job, will there be a requirement for her to step down from Vixens or do you think she'll be allowed to do both? I can tell you that uh, it'll be open for discussion. So I know that Nepal Australia have made it very clear to all candidates that um, in the instant that you are a current Suncorp Super Nepal coach and applying for the head job position, that everything is negotiable. So uh, what that looks like will come down. There, there won't be a stock standard answer to that, SARS, across yeah. the board. That is going to be, um, that'll be a case-by-case -case scenario. Um, and everyone will go into bat for their own, I imagine. Well, there we go then. You heard it here first, Netball Nation exclusive. Sue Gordian has said no, she will not be putting her name <laughs> into the hat. Um, but as well as uh, playing and coaching, Sue, you're also famous for your netball uh, commentary. How does it feel uh, to be known for calling some of the greatest netball matches of all time? Oh, I don't know how it feels. I know I love doing it. That's one thing I can tell you. I love calling a game in netball. And, and I was only actually having a chat earlier on with Sherelle McMahon today and, and we were talking about commentating and how even though the players are the stars of the show and what they do on the court um, really brings the game to life. But as a commentator, I feel like you can just, if you get the balance right, you can add another layer. And the one thing I can't stop is uh, just my natural love for the game and the passion. And I think probably if people enjoy my commentary, and I know that not everybody does out there, but I think what resonates most with people is I'm just really passionate and I get really excited about the game and I because I know the game so well and I've played and coached it, I can see something that happens on the netball court and understand how extraordinary it is. And whilst it might not look overly spectacular to the layman, it's my job to ensure they understand that is spectacular. And I think that's what I try to do. So, yeah, I love it. And I can tell you, girls, I'm dearly missing it. I really... I really can't wait to get back in the saddle. I'm hoping your season kicks into gear. Well, I think a lot of people can't wait for you to get back into the saddle as well, uh, Sue. I've got to ask you before we let you go, what have been your least and most favourite games to call so far? Just to uh, jog your memory, you might remember a certain match two years ago to the day. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know, funnily enough, it actually one of, like, even though Australia lost that uh, the, the, uh, the com game to England, it was one of the most extraordinary games to call. 
I thoroughly enjoyed calling that game. And and the irony was I had Sarah alongside me with Carolyn Barker screaming <laughs> and I could hear them through the headphones. <laughs> so it almost became this sort of yelling match. But, no, look, it was really exciting. And, and I, no, I, I'll tell you, one of the worst games I ever had to call was was a Suncorp Super Bowl game that I called in Canberra, the Firebirds against the Giants, and it was a demolition derby. And it just got – it went too far, and I felt – I mean, you know, we called the umpires to account the game and it, it was almost like a bloodbath and I just felt that that wasn't our game and I, I was actually really frustrated at both the coaches, the players and the umpires and it just came through in my commentary because it was difficult to call. There was so much whistle, you got no flow. So I, I quite selfishly was like, I would like to call a good game here but it's stopping my capacity. So, <laughs> um, you know, but, yeah, it was – I'll never forget that game. It was just – Absolutely helter-skelter. That was last season in 2019 in Canberra. So one of the worst games to call. But, yeah, look, any grand finals are a great game to call. Any draws a great game to call. And irrespective of, of medals, win-loss for Australia, calling a Commonwealth Games or a, a Netball World Cup is just extraordinary. Well, Sue, it might not be your commentary, but we are extremely privileged to have you join us on Netball Nation. So thank you so, so much. Oh, You've whoa, been wonderful. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just one oh, has Max got another question? I'd just like to ask oh. Sue a bit of a question, if I may. Go um, on. <laughs> So I've been absolutely rolling around my house listening to your Gordy's gas bags um, <laughs> with, the, with the Corona uh, as your official sponsor and uh, beverage of choice, um, the numerous hats that you wear, um, but and, and obviously the conversation that you have with some of Australia's best netballers, absolute legends you've been speaking to. But before we let you go, what would be your karaoke tune of choice? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you got me, girls. Oh, dear. Um, oh, well, I must – I have to be honest. I do have a bit of – my go-to is usually either Zombie by the Cranberries <laughs> or, <laughs> or um, Oasis Wonderwall. You know, it's, 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 a, oh. it's a pretty simple one. It's a pretty simple one. Am I singing you out, am I? Give us some bars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. A today is going to be the day that they're going to throw back to you. <laughs> By now, you should have somehow realised what you got to do. Oh, I don't believe you that anybody feels the way I do about you now. There you go. That's all. Yes. Whoa. Great. Yes. Great. Yes. Great. Yes. Sue Gordian, thank you so much. That is everything that we needed on Netball Nation right now. <laughs> it's been an absolute treat having you on. Thank you so much. Stay safe and hopefully normality will resume as soon as possible. Thank you, Sue. Oh, here's cheers, girls. Stay safe over there. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> Can we all do our own karaoke songs now, girls? I want to ask you. <laughs> Now, can you believe it's been two whole years since Helen Housby scored that gold medal winning precious shots in the Commonwealth Games final? It was voted the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Best Sporting Moment. The players became overnight sensations. But have momentum kept going or has it fallen away? What do you reckon, Mags and Sarah? Mm, I think the momentum's still there, personally. Um, you know, I think the swing between the Commonwealth Games and then moving into the uh, World Champs was huge and it had built a, a crescendo 
Um, there was so much support for our girls, especially with it being a, a home competition. So, yeah, I think that the momentum's still there. Max, where did you watch it? Um, the majority of it I watched from the best room in the house, which is Massetti, uh, with <laughs> yes. a glass of something cold that wasn't water. um, but I was lucky enough to get there to uh, I think it was on the Thursday before the finals week and then I was there on finals day it was great were you expecting England to win Max? Uh, absolutely I was you know even though the 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 time between the comp games and the actual world champs the been a few uh, results that weren't always in our favour I honestly believe that we had a team that could that could do it now Sarah obviously you weren't on your sofa with a cold drink uh you were you were there what was it like to co-commentate what was the whole atmosphere like and the feeling and the experience for you Com games was crazy I think I think because it was in Australia you could just feel the expectation from the Australian crowd and it, it was obviously a huge majority Australian crowd and you know, a few English supporters like dispersed around. What was what was mad was the the kind of shock after the result. You know, like everyone like was wild because it was such a close game, and then Australia lost, and that like, you could feel the whole crowd just be like, "Oh my god!" Like no no one expected it. So it was great from an English perspective because <laughs> it was like you've just silenced this massive crowd in Australia who all expected Australia to win. Um. And it like it was so nice because a lot of the girls' families were there, so you know um, it, they had a kind of support network of their own. But to do it on Australian soil, I think was was really really special. Well, you, you said you know it was weird hearing the, the crowd just sort of go oh, but for you, like how did you keep composed, or did you do a Sarah and not keep composed? <laughs> no, I wasn't composed at all. I think <laughs> here on the commentary, I'm like slightly losing my mind. I was like, just like two hands holding onto like the desk with like almost like my head between my knees, like just like trying to breathe, like, oh my God, <laughs> just looking up every so often to, to see what's going on. And then Sue Gordian and um, who was on it with it? I think maybe Kath Cox was, was doing the, the final for Australia and they were about eight feet away from us. And we just kept looking over like, ah, this is going to happen. Um, so it, it was, it was, incredible to be there and I, I don't think you can kind of describe like because no one like genuinely there was about 50 people in that arena that expected England wow. to win no one else expected England to win so I think the the level of excitement from the English fans and the dis- disappointment from the Australians just made it even better <laughs> it, it must have been weird celebrating afterwards then if there were only like 50 people there that expected England to win what was it like in the aftermath of it yeah I mean you know, we went down to like the media mix zone and obviously the English players are like hanging around forever and a day, like wanting to do all the media. <laughs> the Australian players are like sprinting past. Um, so it like, like it, it was crazy. And I think, um, you know, speaking, speaking to some of the England girls about like that night and the party and stuff, and they were just like, it just wasn't as wild as you'd imagine because everyone was so tired, like so yeah. spent from that day that they kind of had nothing left. But um, yeah, it was. It was a, a really crazy day just because of uh, of the scenario that they were in and kind of going in as underdogs and, you know, it being a last second goal and everything else like that. It's just like the the emotional energy that people spent on it was huge. Yeah, it was. It was It was a roller coaster. And Max, how has winning gold changed the sport in England, do you think? Well, I, th- I think for the people that are, are diehard uh, netballers who always have been the players, you know, the coaches, the umpires, the spectators that we've always had, um, you know, it's just heightened it for them. 
I think the turning point came when the sports personality, when England won the sports personality mm. award, because you got a change in the demographic of people who were actually, oh, what's this netball? I'm going to take a little look at that. You know, you had uh, males who actually know the names of England Roses players. And, you know, the participation levels just went through the roof with back to netball, you know, being huge for lots of people who used to play, who wanted to come back to the game. For the male sport as well, teams were popping up all over the place. You know, it's never been bigger in the the world uh, of netball for men. And just participation level at grassroots and through schools and everything like that. It's just huge and it continues to grow. It's a, a proper movement. I think netball previously had always been kind of like bottom up. You know, the participation had always kind of been the driving factor in netball. You know, the, the young kids, the, the back to netballers, the walking netballers, all of those schemes had, had kind of been what drove netball forward because they had such great participation. And, you know, you've got a kind of diehard following. Um, the, the Com Games win for me kind of tipped that around and it went top down because then, you know, it was it was that win and that gold medal and and the, those girls being on, on the biggest stage that is now trickling down and, and that has affected participation. It's, it's definitely affected commercial revenue and sponsors for the England team. I think that the kind of next step now is trying to get the Super League to a point where, you know, it's consistently producing the players that England needs, but it's also, you know, consistently producing a really tight, competitive, high quality league. Um, and that's the kind of stage that the England netball kind of needs to push now, I think, to to keep that going because you can't expect to keep sponsors and to, to keep driving participation if you haven't got a product that people see week in, week out. And I think had England won the World Cup, we would have seen a, a new wave and a new push and it, it's not to say that bronze was, you know, a bad result at all. It, it, it was a really good result. But I think commercially and, and for the media, had they won that, it would have been absolutely huge. No, and I, and I suppose that if we do manage to get it to that point where we are almost mirroring what they have in Australia, could that be the turning point that keep our internationals here in our own country playing our own competition and, you know, attract those players that would want to go to Suncorp to to come to Vitality Super League. I mean, potentially, but I think I think you're just so far off in terms of money at the minute that if people go, do you want to get paid five times as much and come and live in Sydney? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah probably. Um, but if it was comparative, though, Sarah, if we were able to compete, you know, on the commercial, on the financial. I mean, I, 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 I mean, if it, if it was comparative, then then potentially, but I, I just don't think you're going to get to that level where it's comparative. But I, I think what what you need is a really competitive league and to make sure that, you know, people are seeing a good quality product all the time. So England Netball need to think around the strategy for that. Like, do you, do you want X amount of teams? Is that how many teams we can sustain? Do you want to grow that or do you want to grow the quality of the teams um likewise like instead of all the sponsors kind of being funneled towards the england team get more sponsors onto your onto your league who are going to be seen week in week out and kind of use that because that's what people see the most um as like the the england girls are kind of like the pin-up girls of the sport but week in week out you don't see them especially with how many of them in australia so you need 
like household names that you're seeing every week and that people mm. can kind of go, yeah, I'm going to sponsor them and I'm going to pump some money into that team. And I, I don't think that they've, we've got to that point yet. How, how do we get to that point though? How, how does that happen? Because it's like the chicken and the egg, isn't it? I yeah, think, it I is. Think whether, I, I mean, personally, I think so. in the Suncor, I mean, they have got the most amazing marketing program. It's unreal. And there's somebody out there, whether it's, you know, Netball Australia or Private Money that has pumped into the marketing and made it a machine. So, you know, and I can only imagine that uh, here in England, we just don't have that sort of money that markets what we've got. There's word of mouth. There's people I know can go to social media and we can rant and we can rave about our fabulous sport. But, you know, we don't have the money to, to, to market the product that we have. No, I think, I think that's, that's one of the issues. But I also think we kind of romanticise the, the Suncorp League a little bit. If you, if you look at the minute, it's on its knees because it's not on TV. All its revenue comes from TV and and you're kind of putting all your eggs in one basket there. And I think the sports that will come out of this kind of crisis the best are the ones that have TV revenue and other sources of revenue. And, you know, it's, it's an area that, you know, I don't know much about, so I can't really comment on. But like the, the commercial side of it and the marketing side of it and, and getting people involved, like... You know, Vitality have done a really good job because now you associate Vitality with Netball intrinsically. You, like you associate the, that brand with Netball and you need more brands like that. So, you know, when you're talking about Bath or Mavericks or someone, you think of a brand that's associated with them all the time. And I think when you get to that point, you know, teams teams are a little bit more financially secure. Um, then the TV revenue starts coming and it, it is chicken and egg what comes first, but you know, it's it's a hard job because women's sport is underrepresented generally. So to try and just kind of break through that that wall and, and get it out there in the mainstream all the time is, is tough. Yeah, it requires so many different things coming together. Uh, just throwing this one out there, girls. Uh, do you reckon England can do it again in Birmingham uh, 2022? I, I, don't, I don't think that it's impossible for England because I think, you know, over the last few years, lots of teams have shown that Australia were beatable. England have shown they're beatable. New Zealand have shown they're beatable. Jamaica have given people a run for their money. Um, and likewise, New Zealand from that World Cup winning team lost Maria Falau, lost Casey Corpua. Um, so there's, you know, there's a possibility for England. I think what's going against England at the minute is that th there's been a lot of issues for them as well. So if they are going to do it, what they need is to get the team together that's going to go to Com Games and get them playing together quickly. Because I think there's at the minute, there's six international windows before Com Games. One of those is probably going to collapse in October. So then you're looking at potentially five international windows before Com Games. For me, we've not seen since World Cup an England team that's going to represent England at a major tournament. So you need to get those girls together and you need to get them playing together. So actually some tough questions for the for the girls who haven't played yet since World Cup, like Jeeva, Helen Howsby, people like that, like get your backsides here 
let's play. Let's get this thing rolling. Have some game time together and let's see what can happen. Right then, ladies, we move on. I feel like I should sing this next section because we are going to talk post-lockdown plans. <laughs> it gives me giddy just thinking about it. I never thought I'd hear the day that I'd be excited just to leave my own house. Uh, we are obviously deep into lockdown territory and we don't know when it's going to come to an end, but it's going to have to at some point. So from both of you, I want to know that moment we are told that's it, guys. You can go out. What is the first thing, Max, you're going to do? Oh, my word. Well, other than run up and down the street, you know, waving <laughs> my tea towel in the air like some mad fan, you know, <laughs> and saying, I'm free to do whatever I want. That's just a Wednesday for you, isn't it, Max? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a strange one because I know people are thinking about it. I kind of do this thing when I've been off on holiday. Oh, what's the first thing you're going to get from the takeaway when you get home <laughs> after having eaten food that you're not always yeah. eating on? Um, it's a strange one. I, I honestly don't know. The first thing it probably will be just, just to go see my mum and give her a hug because she lives in a different city to me. You know, she's on this 12-week lockdown because of uh, health conditions. Um, so it's really strange. I'll just get over there and give her the biggest hug. And then oh. my brothers, I live within five minutes of my brothers and, you know, I'm sick of talking to them through windows. So, you know, <laughs> I, think it, I think it's about family more than anything else. And then the reconnection with all my extended friends and obviously then back into the netball world. Yes. And what about you, Sarah? I'm going to go to the pub. Yes. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I, well, hopefully, if it's summer, I'm going to go to the beer garden with my friends <sighs> because that is like the most British summer activity, isn't it? Just sitting outside, having a drink, having a chat. Um, and then, yeah, just I, I, I saw a funny meme and it was like, I've realised my three favourite things are like eating out, um, touching my face. An unnecessary travel, <laughs> and so that's, that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> um, have you managed to wean yourself off touching your face, Sarah? No. Like, how how often do you touch your face now? You're aware of it. I'm like, oh, I know. My God, why, why am I always touching my face? It is crazy, isn't it? Um, do you know what I think I'm, I'm quite excited about when we get to leave is, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, guys, but when I've had to do an essential shop or something, like I, as a rule, in normal life will smile and chat to people and people aren't always as open to that. Whereas since we've been in lockdown, it's like people really want to talk to me and it yeah. is great. <laughs> this is like the for the first time ever. So I really hope that that doesn't go away. I hope that we're still as like cheery with each other. I don't know about you, but you know, if you have your hours exercise a day and you see someone, you're so interested in them, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah same, but you know, I've gone my walks and people are actually, good morning, hi, how are yeah. you? You know, I stand across the street and we're chatting. Do you know what's that? I honestly believe, Emma, that it would be a wonderful world if after all of this people continued. But do you know what? People have very short memories. And I believe that people will just go back after a short period of time being, it's you know, I'm in my own little world. I've got stuff to do. I've got places to be. And, uh, yeah, COVID-19 will be at the back of the memory stored somewhere. Sarah will be touching her face all over again. And... Yeah, I'll have my face. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that community feel that we've, we've be all been experiencing will sadly go. Well, I, ho I hope it doesn't. I, think, I, I hope think, it know, doesn't. Communities have kind of gone back to what they were, like looking after the vulnerable people in the community like my mum and dad's street have got like a whatsapp group on the go someone's oh, like I'm, wow. off, I'm off to the shops if anyone needs anything i'm like that's so good um so i hope i hope we don't lose it and you know i hope that people remember what the nhs have done and that they get the recognition and reward that they deserve and you know there's like so many good news stories out of this in terms of like 
less pollution, animals coming back from the brink of extinction, all those kind of things. So, you know, I hope that we do learn something from it. Definitely. If anything as well, not to cancel the social plans that we always seem to cancel in normal life. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, we asked you, our fellow Netball Nationers, what are the first things you're going to be doing as soon as we're all back to kind of some sort of normality? You're not going to be surprised, girls, that Netball features very heavily. So Kate Vutes has been on. She says she's looking forward to coaching and playing Netball again. Amy Lou Hicks plans to hug all of her family, just like you, Max, and friends before adding that she's missed Netball like crazy um the northern titans are looking forward to carrying on the momentum of men's netball lucy walker wants to get back to practice but fears her team are going to either be rubbish as they're going to be out of practice or spectacular as they'll be super fit what do you reckon right is going to be the common theme here are people going to be rusty or fit netball players what do you reckon girls um i mean firstly that's what i meant when you said first thing i'm going to do obviously go back to post <laughs> um i think oh i think you're obviously going to be rusty like pe like people might be like fit like generally fit but i don't think it's like pre-season you can do a load of pre-season then you play your first game and you're absolutely blowing because it's not the same and this and that that's what it'll be like now because you know you can you can practice your skills and you can improve your skills, but it's it's not the same as playing and it's not the same as, you know, being in a, a, a full practice scenario. Yeah. So it will be a bit of rust, but, you know, it's like a, a couple of weeks and then you're fine. Yeah, you see bed back into it, but it's just about keeping your fitness up, like you say, isn't it? And doing what you can in the space you've got. Yeah, and I mean, there's, there's improvements to be made, you know, like skills at this time when you've not got a lot of people and you've not got a lot of space, you can really improve, like, your individual skills and your, your ball handling and things like that. So... You know, it's not it's not wasted time at all. But um, I mean, you know, there's there's obviously going to be a degree of rustiness if you've not played for a few months. Uh, I mean, girls, just think yourselves lucky. You're not like me, and you live with a personal trainer. My twin brother is a personal <laughs> trainer, and I get a text no. at seven a.m. every morning. He said he's turned the back garden into a gym, and uh, I get a text saying training at eight, and that's it. It is like it's a military operation before I'm even allowed my breakfast. This is what I never understand about personal trainers. Why are you doing it at eight a.m.? Your, your day Thank is you. so long now. Thank like you've you. got nothing to do all day. Why Why do you need to train at eight oh. a.m.? Sorry, it's the eternal question that I've asked ever since I've been in lockdown with him, but nothing's changed, so here we are. Um, and at least I feel less guilty for eating three bowls of cereal after my tea at night, so, you know. Um, now, though, we've had another one, uh, an email in from Holly Sullivan. She says, I hope you're all well. Thank you so much for this podcast, especially at this time. It's our pleasure, Holly. Her question is, how much does starting late uh, at 14 matter to being successful in netball and what can you do to make up for that and how do you manage or stand out from players with much more experience over to you guys well I suppose it depends what Holly's definition of um, successful is you know because we all have our own view of that I personally have said before sometimes it doesn't matter what age you come into it especially when you're young um, because people develop at different ages and and if you're sporty and you're a bit of an all-rounder and you, you like doing lots of sports that can be beneficial to you so you know I don't think she should worry too much about being 14 and coming into it especially if she has come from a sporting background where she's you know really good with hand-eye coordination and her feet are good um, and people players that are more experienced Sometimes it's just, you know, you have to say to them, it's about practice and practice and practice and learning from others and asking good questions. Yeah, net netball's a late specialisation sport. So I think you, you're absolutely fine. You don't need to, it's not like gymnastics where you need to have been in it from from really young. And um, 
in our under 19s, we've got a girl, I think she only started when she was 15 and she came from tennis. And I think coaches can always work with, with people who've played sport and have got the movement skills and they can make them into netball players. You know, I think people get carried away with people who've played since they were really young and, and you know, under 12s are going to be the best player ever. And it's not, they're not going to be the best player ever. They've just played more than anyone else. Like, don't, don't worry at what stage you're at because like Mike said, people are on individual journeys. You, you know, you might, you might peak when you're, 25 you might peak when you're 32 so just kind of you know don't compare yourself to others holly i hope you're happy with your uh, answers from mags and sarah thank you so much for that girls uh now don't forget every single week here on netball nation we want your questions so if you've got any burning questions at all comments or suggestions you can tweet us at my netball nation or drop us an email hello at my and we will always do our best to cover everything you send in now before we go guys we haven't done shout outs in a while have either of you got any i'm going to shout out every time we get the opportunity uh, for my sister-in-law or she'll call her me outlaw, but that's another story. Oh. <laughs> um, who is, um, she is classed as the Gestapo of the hospital environment because she's an infection control uh, nurse. And she is, at the moment, absolutely run ragged, as you can imagine, between just normal wards and intensive care. She is at the forefront of this COVID-19 um pandemic that we've got so a big shout out for sue Higo, my uh, sister-in-law who is going above and beyond no holidays no rest days she's just going for it and i'm exceptionally proud of her sue thank you so much on behalf of everyone at netball nation and in the country thank you so so much um and sarah what about you any shout outs hey any wedding plans any latest on that no we're, we're just not speaking about that because we're just kind of Keeping fingers crossed, it happens. Oh, <laughs> it'll happen, Sarah. Yeah, it, it will. will it will. Well, I mean, it'll happen at some point, but um, <laughs> I mean, there's bigger things in the world anyway, aren't there? So, no, I think I think the wedding plans are as they were, as far as we know. So that's all good. You know, Stacey's on top of it. Um, and then shout out, no one in particular, but you know, just to anyone out there who you know is struggling or on their own or feeling a little bit lonely, you know. Shout out to you guys and make sure you just stay connected with people. Send someone a text, drop someone a phone call, even if you don't feel like it. Um, yeah. Because you and know, even us, we're all in this together. We are all in this together. So we here at Netball Nation are your friends as well. So if you are feeling a bit lonely, feeling like you've not got anyone to talk to, um, feel free to send us a question or a comment or anything. And like I said earlier, we'll do our very best to cover it in next week's episode. Um as always, thank you to you, Pear. Thank you for this week's podcast. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been fun. I, uh, I think my highlight was was Gorian <laughs> doing Oasis for us. So um, it's your your turn for karaoke next weekend. Don't encourage me because I will jump straight <laughs> on that. Tara, and that's something don't no one lives in their life. <laughs> uh, thank you, as always, to you for listening to Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, who are always there to help you. Hashtag keep netballing from home. You can listen to our podcasts at mynetballnation.com and follow us on all the social platforms at mynetballnation. Until then, keep netballing as much as you can at home. Stay be safe, be kind, clap your heart out tonight and every Thursday for our NHS and frontline workers. And as Sarah said, remember, we here at Netball Nation are your friends. We're here for you. Thank you very much for that, guys. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. 
This is Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk.